Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today is the 11th and I'm excited to get into the 11th chapter of Proverbs. So without further ado, let's get to it. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. He who is a surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, So one who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but their posterity, excuse me, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, So is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. The desires of of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble comes to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be a servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, And he who ensouls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. Well, we're going to start off here. And of course, I will say we could talk about righteousness again. It's mentioned quite a bit in this chapter, just as it was in chapter 10. But instead, we're going to look at three different uh, key passages of Scripture in this chapter. And the first one I want to point out this, this morning is in verse 11. And this 
idea is that your character impacts more than just you. And this is so important. I mean, really important to learn and to understand that your character impacts more than just you. This is what it says in verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. See, the blessing of one person can spill over and touch those around them. In fact, even to, to, to a whole city is what it's getting at here is that if you have somebody who's, who's upright, it can actually go and, and spill over and, and it can exalt the entire city if you have even just one upright person and they're being blessed by God. Isn't that incredible to stop and to think about? But that is why you should seek to have those who are upright in your life around you. You should go and be finding upright people, and you should be putting those in positions in your life that they are your friends, that they are your influence, that those are the people who are around you, because quite frankly, we all want the most blessing of God that we can possibly get. It'd be silly to say otherwise. I mean, who goes around saying, I want God's curse, right? That, that, would, just be, uh, that would just be sheer goofiness for someone to go around and to say that. And if we want the most of God's blessing— then that means we need the blessing of others to spill over on us as well. And so we should be seeking to have upright people in our life. But it also means something else. It means that you should seek to be upright. You should seek to be upright so that your blessing, the blessing that God gives you, can go and spill over onto somebody else and touch somebody else's life and bless them. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? If it wasn't just that your blessing, the blessing that God gave you, blessed you, but it went and it blessed others also? I mean, how cool would it be if a whole city was blessed by you because you walked so uprightly? That would be incredible. You know who I think of in the Bible? who wasn't just a whole city that was blessed by him, but it was really an entire nation and then ultimately kind of an entire region of the world. And that's Joseph. Joseph walked uprightly, right? Absolutely. When he was when he was being uh, you, you know accused, well, first of all, he was was thrown uh, unrighteously so into a pit and sold to Egypt, and then he went and instead of going and pouting about it, what did he do? He continued to walk uprightly and worked uprightly. And then what happened? You have Potiphar's wife who comes and and she tries to seduce him, and when he goes and does the upright thing and says no. What ends up happening? Well, he gets thrown into prison. So far, you're going, wait a minute here. I thought the upright gets blessed. Well, eventually, Joseph does get blessed, gets elevated all the way up to, 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 to the top of, of Egypt. In fact, so much so that the, the king of Egypt was like, man, maybe I should give half of my, my empire over to Joseph because he is just so upright and so brilliant. And of course, there was a great drought that came and it went and he able, was able to go into save Egypt but also other nations as well. And it's because he is an upright man and God blessed him. But you know, the interesting thing is, is that it's not just this principle for the upright, but the same one goes for wickedness. See, some of you should probably drop some of the friends that you have so that you can receive the blessing that God wants to give you. You know, one of the realities that are out that is out there that, that we don't like to be confronted with is that everybody wants God's blessing until they see the cost of God's blessing. 
Everybody wants God's blessing until they see the cost of God's blessing. And this is something that is really, really important to understand because if you walk uprightly before God, people will want to be like you. They'll want to have that until you tell them the price. There have been several times that I've had people ask me, you know, what did your parents do? What did your parents do uh, in such a way that you turned out good because they look out and they might see, uh, you know, people from around my age that might be going and saying, well, look, they, they didn't turn out so good, a lot of them. And I, I've had a lot of people tell me that. And a lot of them, some of them are talking about their own kids. And, and they've asked me, what did your parents do? Well, there's a couple different things. And I'm sure my parents could give you a, a greater list of this, but there's a couple different things that I point to. And the first one is, is that there's not a day that I can recall that has gone by in my life since I am able to remember being able to read. So the idea of like the daily life in, in, in uh, not just memories, but the idea of actually living the, the, the daily life. I cannot remember a day that has gone by in my life. Obviously there has been, because there's times that I haven't been able to read, but there's not been a day that has gone by that I've not read the Word of God. And what did that start with? Well, that started with, I would come down stairs and walk into the kitchen and my mom would look at me and she would say, I don't think you've done your devotions yet. Have you done your devotions yet? You better go and do your devotions. And that set a habit in my life that I've done my devotions. I, I'm I mean, perhaps I have missed a day. I, I'm not, I, I don't, I, I can't remember missing a day of my devotions in my entire life. Another thing that was always in our house is that it wasn't just that we read God's word and then put it away and put the Bible on the shelf and didn't think about it the rest of the day. I cannot remember a day that went by growing up in the house that I grew up in where I was not either asked the question, well, what does the Bible say about that? Or thinking through some moral issue or some issue that I was going through or somebody else was going through in our family where we didn't ask the question of what does the Bible have to say about that? We talked through issues biblically on a daily basis, oftentimes more than one time a day. And that impacted me greatly because then it wasn't just that God's word was implanted in my life, but then that my mind was bent to think, what does God think about that? And you know, one of the, the things that I would say about this is that it, it also comes back to the fact of we ate dinner a lot of times, most of the time at the table. And that's one thing that we do at our house is that, uh, I mean, once in a great while we'll go and, you know, uh, bring the TV out and have dinner in front of the TV. And normally it has to do with getting pizza and having, you know, pizza in front of the TV, but almost every dinner that we have, it's in, it's around a table. And, and I'm just telling you this right now, these are the things that it's going to cost you to raise a godly family, to raise godly children. It's going to take more than that. But those are just some simple principles. But a lot of people don't want to do that because it's a lot easier to sit around a television and eat dinner and to not talk about God's Word. It's a lot easier to go and to sit your children down in front of a TV or in front of a video game instead of going in and asking them, have you read the Bible today? It's a lot easier to just go and to give somebody an answer or give somebody your opinion of what's going on in their life as opposed to asking them, what does God's word say about that? 
Because you have to be able to find that answer too. See, everybody wants God's blessing until they see the cost. And for some of you, it should cost some of your friends. You might need to cut out some of your friends because they're just not upright and they're stopping you from getting the blessing that God wants to give you. You know, this principle, it applies generally, but it also applies specifically to political leaders. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. If you want God's fullest blessing, in your life, only support upright candidates, political candidates, because then their blessing can overflow to you. It can truly bless your city. See, when you vote for wicked people, you're robbing yourself of a potential blessing and possibly robbing your countrymen from a blessing as well, because it is through the upright that a city is exalted. People around the upright get exalted. And so go and vote for the upright so that the nation can be blessed again and can be exalted. Pretty simple principle. The second thing I want us to see here is that beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. In verse 22, it says this, As a ring of gold in a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Growing up, uh, one of my my best friends, um, you know, actually probably my best friend from from early elementary was uh, Carl Sheeks. And Carl Sheeks, uh, he was a pastor's kid. And we got in a lot of trouble together. We had a lot of fun. But uh, but growing up, I remember uh, his family was coming and visiting our family one time. And this was when we were probably about in junior high. And he was was really getting into uh, telling and delivering jokes at that time. And, and he went and he told a joke and it was really funny. And he went and he asked his dad, Pastor Sheeks, and he said, he said, Dad, I, I'm getting pretty funny, aren't I? And little did he know his, his dad was much better at humor than he was. And Pastor Sheeks looked at him and he said, yes, son, but looks aren't everything. Looks aren't everything. And, and while that, that, that's probably just a, a little bit silly, I, I always chuckle about that probably more than anybody else does, uh, that joke, but it, it is a true statement there that looks aren't everything. See, beauty fades away and it is temporal. It's not something that, that we should go and, uh, and absolutely cling to and strive for in our life. Beauty isn't, isn't the, the, the most important thing of just going and in, in, in looking the most beautiful. Now, I'm not saying to go out there and look, look ugly or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at. But young men who are listening, you need to look for a girl who is discreet who knows how to act appropriately and who fears God. And young women, spend more time with God than you do on your hair. It's not that your hair doesn't matter, but that it's that you should be more than skin deep. And that's the point here. I'm not trying to go into say that beauty doesn't matter. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is that if there is something that is, that, that is just diametrically wrong with a, a, a young woman or, or anybody for that matter, who is, is beautiful and good looking and everything like that, but they don't have good character. You need to have good character too. It's as unfitting as going and taking your most precious piece of jewelry and, and putting it on a pig. That, that just doesn't make sense. You'd go, huh? It doesn't work. 
And many times we, we would go and think, well, wouldn't the, the good looking person be the piece of jewelry and, and, uh, and the, the, uh, you, you you know, looking at it that way, but no, the the reality of it is, is that your inner being ends up being the pig if you don't have right character and that's who you are. It doesn't matter how much lipstick you put on you. It's just not going to work. And so that's why you need to go and to be more than just about skin deep, you need to be going in really caring about character because that's where true beauty comes from. The last thing I want us to see here this morning is the principle of generosity and that generosity is best. In verses 24 through 26, it says this, there is one who scatters and yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous uh, soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. This seems backwards to us, but it's true. It seems backwards, doesn't it? That that the person who would go and try to hoard and try to clench things and try to keep things for themselves, that they would have less and even at times be brought to poverty and then those who, who, who are going out and giving and putting out and, and spreading and things like that, that they would receive more. That just seems backwards to our nature. But it's true. See, it's the laws of sowing and reaping. If you sow nothing, you will reap nothing. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. See, generosity is the forgotten key to prosperity. Generosity is the forgotten key to prosperity. So many people forget this. A lot of people are looking to prosper in their life. And, and this principle applies to, to everything, not just, not just the idea of finances. But a lot of people want to be good at something. They want to prosper in something. But the, the issue is, is that they never put out. They never go and seek to help other people. They just want to go and to focus in on themselves. And, and this is something that is huge in our culture today. You just go and focus in on you. You just don't worry about others. You just go and focus in on you, focus, focus, focus in on you. And and don't get me wrong. There are times when you need to stop and look in the mirror. There's no doubt about that. But if you truly want to prosper, you need to sow and invest into other people with whatever you want to be good at, whatever you want to prosper in, whatever area you want to prosper in, you need to invest in other people and you need to trust that the laws of sowing and reaping will come about. These are the things that you need to do. See, a clenched fist is something that we think is good because we can hold on to what we want to hold on to. Go ahead and clench your fist for just a moment if you can. But I want to ask you a question. Can you put anything else into that hand? Not really. You can't really do it. You can only hold on to what you have. But an open hand, go ahead and open your hand if you're following along with me. Can you put something into your hand? You sure can. Now, of course, somebody might say, but you can take something out too. Well, that's true. You see, generosity is often a test of faith. Do you trust God with what he has given you so that you can give to others, trusting that God will give 
back what you need. See, it's a test of faith. When you go and you give to others, are you are, are then that means that you are trusting God. When you have that opportunity to give, you're trusting God that he is going to take care of you. But if you have a clenched fist, you're saying, God, I don't trust that you'd provide for me. That's what you're saying. See, God blesses so that you can bless others. And that's also why an open hand is required. It's not just because you can't give if you got a clenched fist, but it's also because God blesses you so that you can bless others. So we ought to have an open, you've heard of the open door policy, right? We ought to have an open hand policy to God and let him go and give as he sees fit and let him go and give from our hand as he sees fit as well. If you do these things with generosity, you are going to find blessing. You know, today I didn't realize it, but we we talked an awful lot about blessing. And I sure hope that you listen to these principles from God's word so that you can receive a blessing today. Wouldn't it just be so great if God's word just impacted you in such a way that you just started getting blessings more than you could ever imagine, whether that's because you all of a sudden realized, hey, I need to get rid of that friend in my life. I need to go and to befriend that person who's upright. Hey, I need to go and to be upright so that others can be blessed around me. Or whether you're sitting out here going and saying, man, you know, looks aren't everything. I need to focus just a little bit more on God. Or whether it's the idea of saying, you know, I'd really kind of been a tightwad and I just need to go and to have generosity and I need to go and to give to others and bless others. And all of a sudden, God just starts blessing you in ways that you just can't even imagine. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I hope that happens to you today. But of course, the blessings of God sound great until you see the price, until you see the cost. Because it does cost you something to get the blessings of God, and it costs you your obedience and your submission to Him. And that's difficult for people. It's difficult for everybody. But it is simple. So submit to God, obey Him today, and see God's blessing in your life. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it, the song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in